The following is an encore segment of Blazing with Bobby Black. It's time to roll up those joints, pack those bowls, and fire up those nails. Because you're listening to Blazing with Bobby Black on Cannabis Radio. What's up, all you crazy potheads? This is Bobby Black welcoming you to another edition of Blazin, where we discuss everything in the wide world of weed. You know, since I was first approached about doing this podcast, there was one person who was at the very top of my wish list of potential guests, and I'm proud to say that he's with us today. I've seen this dude perform live many times with the Marijuana Logs, with the Benson Interruption. Uh, I've gotten high with him at the High Times Doobie Awards and Stony Awards. Um, he's put out eight comedy albums, appeared in countless TV shows and movies, including three of his own feature films, Doug Dynasty, the greatest movie ever rolled, and his breakthrough hit, Super High Me. And he currently hosts not one, but two hilarious podcasts, Doug Loves Movies and Getting Doug with High. He's not only a friend and an inspiration to me as a podcaster, but he also happens to be the funniest fucking pothead on the planet. I am honored to welcome to the show Mr. Doug Benson. Doug, thanks for joining me. Hey, man. How's it going? It's going good. It's going good. I know that... Uh, I know that... <laughs> I know that that intro was long enough for me to take a big, uh, a big hit. Glad to hear it. Uh, you know, I was going to say, I, I know that I know that on your show that you typically smoke something with your guests, uh, although your show is usually uh, the guests are in the same room, so you're actually passing the, the, the joint or whatever. But um, I was going to ask you, what are you smoking on today? Well, today I've got something called um, Dirty Sprite. Dirty Sprite? Yeah, have you heard of that before? <laughs> I can't say that I have. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's a sativa, but I'm not. It might be a little bit of a hybrid. Oh, that's cool. Well, in case you're interested, I'm hitting on some Tangy Jack over here, uh, Tangy Jack Herrer. So uh, I'm I'm doing pretty well myself, getting prepped for the interview. Oh, that's awesome. So, uh, what strains do you typically gravitate towards? I mean, uh, I know that you smoke a lot uh, on your show, off your show. What do you typically like? Well, you know, I, I, I'm not as much of a connoisseur as I should be after all these years, but I I definitely lean towards, tend to prefer a sativa, but, you know, if somebody passes me an indica, I'm not going to turn it down just because it's, you know, an indica. <laughs> um, I just like it all. You had a strain named after you, did you not? Well, uh, people keep uh, saying there's, strings out there with my name on it, but I haven't seen anything that's, like, taken off, like, you know, like, it's always going to be one thing or another if it's got my name on it, you know? Yeah, so it's, it's you know, probably somebody just trying to make make some money off your name then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, there's so many, uh, people are making their own strings, and then they get to name them, so, you know, uh, once they do that, uh, you know, how far out into the marketplace that name gets, you know, varies pretty wildly. Yeah. It's still an honor, though, I would say, to have a strain named after you, for sure. Oh, yeah, that people name anything after me is pretty uh, pretty awesome. I'm, I'm always thrilled to hear from people, and, you know, they name their cat after me or their bong, you know, those are both <laughs> very high honors. What's your favorite way of smoking? Do you, do you tend to gravitate towards glass or joints or vapes, or, I mean, what's your... What's your go-to high? It's all based on levels of uh, convenience, you know, because if I have my druthers, I'd always take a big bong rip, you know, would be like my first choice. Uh, but then smaller pieces of glass, but then if you're, you know, in a situation where it's easier to have blunts or joints, I like those. And then if you're completely unable to actually smoke, then that's a great time to, you know, to to do some uh, edibles and some vapes. Yeah, for sure. What about what about dabbing? Are you a big dab guy or not so much? I'm, a, you know, people come at me with the dabs a lot, and when they do, I warn them that I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not a pro when it comes to dabs. Um, I was at a concentrate cup in San Francisco, and they they just wanted to kill me. Those people, they were hitting me, giving me such massive uh, dabs. And uh, I got through it, but I'd say that was my biggest 
dabbing experience. And that that night, I've maybe done like four or five dabs in, in, in a one-hour period or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that was a bit much, you know. It just it makes me sleepy. You know, it's just it's just to me, it's just like a super fast-hitting indica when you you know when you dab. Yeah, I, I love dabs. They're really cool, but I, I definitely agree. Uh, they can knock you on your ass pretty quick if you're not careful. Well, yeah, I've seen people, their first dab, I've seen them just fall right over after doing it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You you mentioned that you had been at a concentrate uh, competition recently. I was going to ask you, um, I don't remember having seen you at very many High Times Cannabis Cups. I, I know you've been at uh, some of the other High Times events, but do you go get out to a lot of cannabis events or not so much? Well, you know, I have a pretty busy touring schedule, and whenever I do a show, it, I feel like it's a cannabis event, you know, like, <laughs> people people hang out afterwards, and I, I, you know, I get high with people. Sometimes I, the comedy clubs, like, in a mall, so it's hard to, can't really just find a spot and stand around with 40 or 50 people getting high, you know. But when it comes to those events, I have, I have mixed feelings about it, because, like, uh, you know, I love to support the cause, and I love to get high, but when I go to those things, it just sort of, it's a lot of guys telling me what I should or shouldn't do, you know, politically, and they also, people want to put me under the table with whatever their strongest <laughs> weed is, you know, it's like a goal, you know, and I, and the, the constant cup, I just sort of ended up there, I mean, I, I've never really gone to, other than once in, like, Amsterdam, I've never really gone to cannabis cups because I I'm not a great judge like if some if they want me to be a judge I always say no because if I smoke a bunch of things in a row I couldn't tell you which one did what and you know which one I like the best I would just be able to say hey I'm really high right now <laughs> yeah I have to uh, I have to get better at, at that stuff and articulating uh, how I feel about the ones I like you know Sure, sure. And, and you know, you and I have been at quite a few uh, events together, actually. Uh, you are a regular at the Doobie Awards at South by Southwest in Austin, and you would always come by our party, which is always great to see you. And uh, and, and you actually hosted the High Times Stony Awards one year, didn't you? What was it like 2006, I want to say? Uh, it was one year where I, you know, was like a presenter, and another time when I hosted, and... Uh, you know, and, and those things are those things can be a blast, but like I said, they tend to be, uh, you know, around the same time that I'm doing my own shows, you know, or, or, or working somewhere. Yeah, and you you actually won Stoner of the Year one year too, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that was I think at that time it was a decision made by a very small group of people, and uh, so I just lucked out that they liked me. But that was around when the marijuana laws came out that I got that. I think that's when I first became aware of you and first met you was when you were doing the marijuana logs with uh, Arj and Tony. H how did you guys come up with that idea? It was just said to Tony, we should a joke, you know, oh, vagina monologues, we should do the mar marijuana logs. And then Tony said we should get Doug Benson. And then once I got wind of the idea, I just ran with it and you know, within a within a few years, we we, we found ourselves doing a show off Broadway. <laughs> Yeah, that was. I remember it. I even went. I went a few times actually, and one time I went. Uh, Tommy Chong was actually in the mix too, as well. I've I've seen it with uh, Rob Cantrell one time. I've seen it with Tommy Chong, but you were one of the originals, obviously. Yeah, and uh, it, it it became really fun to have this thing where other people like Rob and Tommy sit in, you know, and and uh, participate. It was fun to have like a. A rotating cast, but now you know Arge is out of the country most of the time, and uh, I've got a lot of my own stuff going on. So we just haven't. It's been a while since uh, I've done a production of it. Sure, and I mean, let's talk a little about some of the stuff you have going on. I mean, I mentioned you had you do two podcasts, which I, I applaud you. That's already a, a, in and of itself seems like a full time job to me. But um, you know, I remember when uh, one of a, a few of the years down at South by Southwest, I would come see you perform. Um, I think it was at Esther's most of the time, and you did uh, some of the other shows like the Benson Interruption, which is always a riot. You know, tell me a little about what you got going on now, like besides the podcast. Um. 
Well, I, you know, I, I still tour as a, you know, solo stand-up act, but then, like, for instance, I was just in uh, Austin, Texas, and I did, um, I did my uh, Douglas movie taping one day, and then the next day, I sat in with these guys that are called Master Pancake in uh, Austin, and they watch movies and, you know, just ad-lib, make up jokes during the movies. And I did a similar thing like that called the Benson Movie Interruption uh, at least once a month out here in uh, Los Angeles where I am now. And uh, yeah, I just have like a lot of different podcasts and stage shows and things that I do so that I'm like constantly sort of doing something different and people can, if people come see all of it, they're not seeing the same thing all the time. Like even my stand-up now is more based on... Uh, ad-libs and uh, you know, just messing around and, and less on uh, you know material that people would hear uh, over and over again if they saw me repeatedly, you know. Sure, and I got to ask on a personal note, as a as a new podcaster and a, you know an aspiring podcaster myself. I mean, I've been in high times videos and things like that, but I've never actually run and hosted a podcast. But uh, I'm just curious, uh, since yours have done so well and, and you you do so many episodes, I was wondering if you do any prep or a lot of prep or no prep, or and do you typically get high before you start, or do you just wait and get high during the episode? <laughs> well, it depends on the show, you know, like. Uh, I've managed to come up with uh, you know a couple different shows that uh, cover each of my uh, passions of weed and movies. And on getting done with high, sometimes I'm high before the show, but the guests sort of like it when I don't get high first because then we're just starting on the same level and then we see what happens as we smoke throughout the show. Um, like one time Anthony Jesselnik was on and he got kind of mad at me because I was high already because we, we take two episodes that day. But <laughs> <laughs> um, so he was disappointed, I should say. He wasn't mad. And then for Douglas movies, I, I, I like to be high during it. So there's usually a, a session that occurs. Friend, the magician Gabe is usually uh, hanging around at my shows and uh, fans and stuff. So... Anytime I'm playing anywhere, it's safe best to go look outside about 10 or 15 minutes before the show starts because I, I really do like to uh, be high for all this stuff. You know? Like even when I'm on at midnight on Comedy Central, uh, I'm usually making an effort to be as high as I can before the tape is <laughs> Cool, cool. Do you find you get, do you get funnier the higher you get or <laughs> not so much? <laughs> well, it just relaxes me and makes me feel you know, silly, and, uh, you know, I might not edit what I say as much, or, uh, or some pieces I may edit it even more, you know, I can make, might make me more, uh, uh, sensitive, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, to me, it's just, I just want to show people that I can do all these things when I'm high, and that mistakes, mistakes will be made, but none, of, none will be life-threatening, and, uh, <laughs> and the whole thing will be, uh, you know, more fun, you know, it's just, uh, I just think, easier to be a more fun person if you're having fun yourself and the way to get there you know the gateway to fun is smoking some weed obviously and and you've always come across as being very authentic because obviously a great deal of your material is based on weed and smoking weed so it, it, it's almost disingenuous in a way for you to get up and not be high <laughs> it seems like you know well, people are going to assume I'm high if I'm not, so I might as well enjoy myself and be high. You know? If people are going to call me a dumb stoner, I want to be stoned at the time. <laughs> You know, it's funny that you brought up the the, the word stoner. Um, I was curious what your thoughts are were about that word because uh, it seems like most people view it as a derogatory kind of term, like a stereotype, kind of uh, perpetuating a stereotype. But I kind of identify with it, and I, and I, I I like being called a stoner, and and to me, it's something like a, a badge of honor or to be proud of, you know. And I'm just curious what your thoughts were about it. Uh, you know, I have mixed feelings about it because. Uh you know, people usually are saying, calling you a pothead or a stoner or a doper or whatever. They're usually saying it in a negative way. It's not usually a compliment, you know, unless it's stoner of the year from High Times. So, yeah, so it's, it's kind of rough that people use it in a negative way, but I also feel like, you know, uh, I can't really argue with them because, you know, uh, if the definition of a stoner is someone who's smoked weed, 
pretty much every day, then, then I am, you know, that's what I am. I can't, uh, you know, I can't shake that. So I think it's smart to, you know, sort of take it back. Like, you know how um, Chris Hardwick took being a nerd and coined the word nerdist, and then he built this company that's like, uh, you know, now it's worth millions of dollars, and he's a, he's a big deal, you know. And it's just because he, instead of being called a nerd, he just uh, took it back, you know, and just uh, called himself that proudly. I kind of feel the same way about it. All right, it's time for us to take a short break, but we'll be right back with more, so don't go away. You're listening to Blazin' with Bobby Black on Cannabis Radio. Are you disturbed by the prescription medication commercials on television and their endless list of side effects? They go on and on and you end up having to take multiple pills to counteract the problems caused by the first pill. It never ends. Have you looked into CBD as a more natural option? At Saturn Ranch, we produce all-natural CBD topicals and THC-infused edibles. Premium lab-tested hemp-derived CBD is the most important ingredient in our products. From topical bombs, salt scrubs, bath-soaking salts to tinctures and edibles, you're sure to find something to help. Family-owned and operated, we at Saturn Ranch believe in and use our products daily. Don't put anything on your body that you wouldn't put in your body. SaturnRanch.com Strainwise Consulting is the most sought-after consulting company for cannabis business applications and management contracts. We consulted on the first recreational license in the world and have had an over 95% success rate on applications submitted. The industry is growing at such an exponential rate that building a powerful and lasting cannabis business is a number one priority. Here's Strainwise's Sean Eubanks. In our first five years, we branded and supported nine medical and recreational marijuana dispensaries and approximately 160,000 square feet of sophisticated and efficient product cultivation. Strainwise Consulting has the experience and expertise to guide you through the process. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be. The Vuber way. When we talk about stoner celebrities, or pot stars if you will, there's one name that sits undisputedly at the top of that list. From the 1960s to the 1980s, he and his partner Cheech Marin practically invented stoner comedy with their hilarious stand-up tours, Grammy-nominated albums, and cult classic films including Up in Smoke, Nice Dreams, and Still Smokin'. A generation later, he portrayed the lovable burnout Leo in the TV sitcom That 70s Show, and more recently, you may have seen him cutting a rug on the hit show Dancing with the Stars. Now he's using his notoriety to create and promote his own line of weed and cannabis accessory products. I am honored to welcome to the show writer, director, musician, comedian, actor, activist, and all-around icon, the one and only Tommy Chong. Also joining us on the show today is Tommy's manager, producer, son, and co-host of the Tommy Chong podcast, Paris Chong. Gentlemen, thanks for blazing with me today. Yeah, hey, thanks for having us, dude. So, Tommy, uh, you and I have actually known each other for quite a few years now. I've interviewed you both with Cheech and without on the green carpet at the High Times Stony Awards. I was there when you were inducted to the Counterculture Hall of Fame in Amsterdam at the Cannabis Cup. I saw you perform at the Marijuana Logs in New York City. And uh, I don't know if you remember this, but we actually went to a few of us uh, on the High Times staff, took you to dinner across the street that night. And it was in this weird uh, tourist trap kind of restaurant where there were these like m- monsters and things on the wall making noises. You remember that? It was pretty weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was you, huh? Yeah. Yeah. That, I was I was there. I was there. <laughs> How come you made me pick up the check? <laughs> uh, I don't know. You'd have to ask the editor-in-chief about that one. But uh, anyway, we've known each other for a while. And the last time I saw you was in January of last year when you guys held a meet and greet to promote the, your rolling machine at a glass gallery in New York City, the Chong Roller. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. How's things been going with the Chong Roller? You guys have been out promoting that for a while now. Uh, actually, uh, it kind of faded because the... Uh, uh, Futurola, you know, they, they got a little, uh, little, little behind with the payments. 
Oh. But, uh, but it's still, it's, it's a good roller. And the problem with it, it was so good that you didn't need to buy another one. And so <laughs> once they sold, sold a lot of Chong rollers, uh, you know, people didn't quit buying them. So, no, we're, we're into a, another product. Now, now we're selling the stuff that goes in the roller, which is much more, uh, more lucrative and much more fun. Yeah. We got the Chong's Choice out now. Yeah, I've heard that. So tell us a little about Chang's Choice. Is it one strain or is it a line of strains? What's uh, what's the background on that? Well, Paris, you better tell them this. Well, well, what we do is we, regionally, we've been setting up distribution, uh, distribution companies, and what we do is we kind of handpick the best, uh, hottest growers in that state, and then we, we, we kind of test their strains out, and then... We figure out which ones we want to bring under the banner, and then we we offer them to the stores. So that's how it goes. Because you know, right now it's still federally illegal, and we don't want to cross state lines. And you know, every state has their own kind of laws and regulations. So, and uh, we just we, we opened up in Oregon last week with a company called Shango, and that was we had a great opening there. And then we're we're slowly trickling in in California. And then uh, we've we've been in Washington, and we're in uh, Arizona, and we're going to be opening up Nevada pretty soon. So it's it's exciting, and it's all going in the right direction. And people are really liking the brand; they love the brand Chong's Choice, and what how we've been promoting it. So, and, and, and I gotta add, I gotta add that I'm I'm our best customer so far. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I was gonna say usually on Blazin, I ask my guests what what are you blazing on right now, and uh, but I don't even need to ask in this case because uh, I know what you're smoking. You're smoking Chong's Choice. Yeah, it's Chong's Choice. I mean, I I love it. And the thing is, I, I smoke it, then I forget what strain I smoke, and so I have to smoke it again. And you know, and I always forget to write it down. So I, my job is endless. But you know, who better to do that job than me? Absolutely. Are you guys going to stick to just flowers, or are you going to eventually do concentrates or edibles? No, or? We're, we're, selling, we're selling oil shatter. We're selling uh, like pre-filled oil cartridges. They're discreet, tasty, and uh, you know they like to vape. So. And, and, and we want to do edibles too. You know, we're we're uh, uh, we're we're making a special strain of edibles for for police. For the cops, you know. Oh, really? Still, uh, yeah. Well, the cops, you know, they've been having a hard time uh, testing. It, it, the cops in Cheech too. He's, he's another guy. He always takes too many many edibles. You know, he eats too much. And so, what we we're working on an edible that uh, you can eat as much as you want, but you won't get really stoned. You'll just get a nice buzz, and it'll make you hungry enough that you want to just keep buying and eating our edibles. So we are working on a lot of things. I heard something that, because uh, I always thought that once you eat an edible and if you've eaten too much, you're, you're screwed and you just got to, you know, just got to ride it out. But uh, this one guy told me, and you can, tell me if this is true, Bobby, that, that if you eat like some fat, like a, a scoop of coconut oil or something like that, or, or drink a glass of milk, that somehow like loading your body up with some fat and then maybe a little bit of rice or some just some other food to put something in your stomach kind of uh, brings down the high. Have you it soaks up the high. Yeah, I, I've heard the same thing. I believe that, that that's true. And another thing that's interestingly true is CBD can help you br- bring you down from a uh, from oh, an edible really? high. Yeah, if you ha- if you're too. So like- too psychoactively high. If you're if you're getting like your chest is racing, kind of like which happens to a lot of people when they eat edibles. I've heard that CBD, pure CBD, can help bring that down. It counteracts it. In like like a tincture or like vape or both. Or yeah, any any uh, form of it, as long as it's THC and not. I mean, as long as it's CBD and not THC. So if you're getting a pure oh, CBD, it should help. Love that. You know, I had Steve Bloom uh, on the show last week, and uh, he and I spoke about you briefly uh, because he uh, has been doing these live interview uh, segments with you at the last couple of uh, major uh, pod events in the Northwest. So what's that been like? Uh, Obviously, you're no stranger to being on stage, but what's it like uh, being interviewed on stage as opposed to performing on stage? I I love it. I absolutely love it because it, it <laughs> you know, the trouble is, uh, I mean, I love performing, but I, I love, uh, I, especially with Steve Bloom, you know, because he's, he's, he's the perfect guy, you know, he's, 
for some reason, you know, Steve's got that 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 look where you just look at him and you kind of smile because he, he's like a Bernie Sanders of the of the pot <laughs> family. You know? That's funny. Yeah, he mentioned he mentioned something that you guys discussed uh, during your interview uh, that I don't think most of my listeners would be aware of. Uh, you were once a member of a Motown group, is that right? And you actually even had a, a hit song. Okay, the secret's out. I used to be black. Okay. Okay, then I then I did the Michael Jackson thing. I dyed my skin. I got a little lighter. Yeah, I was I was I was with Motown. Hey, listen, I was with Motown for a lot of years. I, I got so black, I even married a white woman. <laughs> uh, are you guys going to be doing uh, continuing that uh, interview series at, at future events? Correct. Yeah, we got one coming up in uh, in Eugene, Oregon, on like the 24th or 23rd. And then another one, where I, I can't remember, there's one more in like, I think it's in Washington, like a few weeks after that. For the for the Trunk's Choice? No, for the interview with Steve Bloom. Oh, for the, with the, Steve, the, yeah, yeah. The yeah. International yeah. Cannabis Business Conference, I think it's called. Yeah, we're going to put that, this show on the road. I, I love, I love the... <laughs> The whole thing, I love talking about weed, you know, especially, you know, when we get into the healing uh, process, uh, you know, uh, the healing part of, of cannabis. You know, I really, I, I've got, uh, you know, personal experiences with, uh, with the rectal cancer that I had and and how I treated it with uh, marijuana and, you know, and how it helped me uh, regain my appetite and how now I look, I, I look younger than Paris now, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wanted to ask how your health was, Tom. I've been listening to you guys' podcast, and I, I've been pretty impressed with it. Um, just because, you know, uh, as a father and some team, I think you bring kind of a fresh and thoughtful perspective to the whole podcasting uh, thing. You know, I mean, of course, I expected your show to be entertaining, but I feel like you guys really defied the stereotype expectations of it just being funny or just being about weed, and actually tackled some serious issues, like like your cancer, for instance. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, Thanks, I mean, yeah, that's what they, they talked, uh, you know, we did some interviews this morning, and they were asking me, you know, uh, how about your kids, you know? And uh, I, I used to joke on stage, uh, I tell my kids, I you know, if you're going to use, if you're going to steal my pot, leave a little bit. That way <laughs> I, I'll think that I smoked it, you know? <laughs> but sometimes the pot was just so good that I just couldn't even leave that last <laughs> little bud. <laughs> I, I I still remember that that big, but I don't know. It was like it was one big cola and it was purple, and you got it from that guy Fantuzzi from like the oh the Fantuzzi. <laughs> yeah, I know Fantuzzi. Yeah, he, yeah, Fantuzzi hooked up Tommy, but you paid a lot of money. You paid like like a shitload of money for that for that for that bud, but it was really top of the line. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for reminding me about what I never smoked. <laughs> and you and you saved it, you put it in your safe, and you saved it for like a year, and I just I just kept digging at it, and I'm like, oh, you know, it's too late now. He's going to know, so I might as well just smoke it all. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, didn't, I didn't remember I had it until you told me just now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But so so but seriously though, how how are you doing now, Tom? Are, are you are you feeling better? Are you recovering, or how? What's your status? I'm like a medical miracle. I'll, I'll tell you. You know, I mean, I when when I was, <laughs> you know, when when I did the operation, they they had me on oxycotton. You know, and I was always wondered, you know, what what the heroin or what the morphine high would be like. You know. So I was kind of looking forward to that, you know, and it was crazy. It was kind of good, but it, it, it wasn't as good as the pot because the, the, the marijuana high makes you hungry, you know, and the other high just made you uh, aware that something's wrong. You know, you don't know what it is, but the, the pot really saved my life. And so now, you know, and then, then you know, as crazy as I am, I, I got restless at, right after the operation, and so I started uh, working out. You know, doing planks and sit-ups in, in my bed, laying down. This is this is hours after I had the operation, and uh, wow. and I told the doctor what I was doing. You know, I didn't want to hurt anything, and the doctor said, "Oh no, that's good." And so I I kept exercising. When I get bored, I'd exercise, and so when I got out of the hospital, I looked better than I when I went in. 
you know, because I was wow. all skinny and had abs, and <laughs> and then I was laying in the sun because that that was also soothing too. And so I got all tanned, and so when people saw me after, they thought, "Wow, you look better than before," you know. So so you know what, what marijuana did for me, it, 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 it gave me a, a really positive mindset, you know, so that. That no matter what happened, it was like it doesn't matter. You know, I didn't dwell on anything bad. I always uh, had uh, had something to laugh at or something to look forward to, and, uh, and 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 you know, and that's the whole secret of aging is that you, you you can stay young if if you're young at heart, you know, and you and you're young in the mind. And then you know, like I got my son, you know, who's turned me on to uh, everything, you know, the rap music that up today and that, you know. And so, so you know, I can I can converse and, and and enjoy life with young people, and they can relate to that right away. And 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 really, that was the secret of everything, you know. And, just, and the only trouble now with pot is that it gets me talking, and I can't shut up. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned similar uh, themes about pot and about how you know you said you went to the hospital and you came out feeling and looking better. It was a very similar situation with prison, was it not? Because when you had uh, gone into prison after Operation Pipe Dreams or, or whatnot, your, your prison time is well documented in your book, The I Chong, and also in the documentary film about you, uh, aka Tommy Chong. Um, but for the benefit of the listeners who haven't seen the film or read your book, can you talk a little about what your experience behind bars was like and how you came out differently afterwards? Well, well, you know, going into jail for something, you know, you're kind of like innocent. You know, uh, the thing is, it was like ordained. You know, my life has really been ordained. It was like I was watching prison movies just before I went to jail. I'd watch them, you know, especially uh, Shawshank Redemption. I watched that over and over again. And it was like I was preparing myself for for being incarcerated. And I remember, and I did an interview, I think it was in AKA Tommy Chong with Playboy, where I said, you know, maybe going to jail isn't that bad. You know, you get to write a book, you know. <laughs> and, 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 and it happened. I went to jail and I wrote a book and and I turned, I, what I did, I turned the prison experience into a, a religious uh, retreat because while I was there, I started, you know, into, I got into the I Ching, I Ching, I got into Goldsmith, you know, I got into Emmett Fox, all these uh, uh, metaphysical spiritual writers. And, and so my, and then I, I joined the sweat lodge with the Native Americans. And so my, uh, it, it, it became a, uh, actually, a joy. I really enjoyed it. I was in the desert, you know. I'd wake up early, you know. You know, you wake up early, and then I'd blow up the fields and work in the in the garden, and then I come in for and have a nap, you know, because you had to come in to be counted. Yeah. And so I, I had a nice nap, and I'd wake up, and and, and I had a, a one of the guys, uh, you know, my buddies in the prison was a cook, you know, and he cooked these gourmet meals. And so I'd wake up and just in time for dinner. <laughs> it was, it was, uh, it, 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 and then I could see comedy everywhere in the prison. It was so much, there's so much excitement going on because it was a, 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 a what do you call, a, a, like a white collar prison. And so there was no violence or, you know, any, any kind of violence. You know, the yeah. only violence was like talking, and you know, telling people to shut up. That was the only violence. <laughs> And your cellmate so I really enjoyed it. Your cellmate was the Wolf of Wall Street, right? For a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I helped him write a book. He, you know, he he came to me for uh, for help. Yeah, we we're in the cell, and he he handed me uh, a page of what he was doing because because uh, he he would ask me, you know, he saw me writing my book, and so then you know he's he's such a genius, you know. He said, "Well, I'm going to write a book," and so he did, and and I helped him. Helped him with the stories, you know, because, you know, he was telling me these great stories, but then he was trying to write, like, Tom Wolf or somebody. And so I just told him, you know, I critiqued him and said, you know, just write down the funny stuff. And he did, and, and he became a big hit. I, I, it's weird, man. I'm a, I've am i been around so many great people, you know. 
like I was instrumental with the Jackson Five. You know, I was one of the guys that discovered the Jackson Five. And wow! In rounds around when Hendrix started up, and and I was, you know, I met all these people. I met Muhammad Ali. You know, when he was uh, at the prime of his, when he was uh, barred from boxing, and so I've been, you know, rubbing shoulders with like every Beatle except Paul. And, and and so my life has been so blessed, you know, that I, it's like I can't wait to wake up the next morning to see who I'm going to meet next, you know, <laughs> to deal with. Yeah. So, Paris, this is kind of directed to you. Obviously, the company that you and your dad started, um, Chong Glass, was the, you know, company that ended up getting your dad uh, in, into jail. And... It's so ironic that here we are like a little over a decade later and you guys are putting out all these cannabis products and cannabis, you know, accessories and stuff. And it's amazing how much change can happen in a decade. Yeah, don't tell anybody. I don't want to go to, I don't want to have them go to jail anymore. (laughs) Do you, do you ever, do you ever fear that they would come after you again? Uh, you know what? They just told us that we are not allowed to have a glass company. They didn't say anything about vaping, so... There's a there's a there's a Cheech and Chong glass company that's up in Canada, but I think they're only operating up there. You know, and it's, you know what's funny, Bobby, is that uh, that that seems completely changed. Like, you know, there was no dabbing. I, I don't even think I knew about concentrates when I had Chong glass, and now it's there's a it's like a there's a whole new line of products, and and the the, the really hand blown kind of Chong glass kind of Jerome Baker stuff is is. Is, I don't know. It's got like less shelf space now. Yeah, uh, dabbing has certainly taken over a, a huge portion of the industry and become like the hip thing for the younger kids to do. Um, what about you guys? Do you do you like dabbing? Is it too much for you, or do you enjoy it? I, I like it occasionally. I had a when I was in Denver like a few years ago. I we were there for the cup and. My dad saw this. He he witnessed me, and uh, I was like, "Yeah, I'll have a dab." And the guy, I don't know, he he he, he got me good. He really he heated that thing up so hot, and then you know, big dab. And I and I hadn't had that experience, so I, I I took a pretty big hit, and and it just just burned a layer off my throat. So I, <laughs> I yeah, I, I, could, I couldn't. I mean, I, I I was fine with the high, but but the the throat being kind of burnt was a kind of a bummer but i like it man it's if you want to really you want to go deep you know and i I still don't think it's as strong as as some of the experiences i've had with edibles i think that's like the heaviest that i've ever had yeah i like the tastiness of a really of a really well made oil that has a lot of terpenes and flavors to it sure it's really delicious yeah, and you know, if you hit if you hit those at a lower temperature, you get more of the flavor and less of the harshness. So, like when you heat up your nail or whatnot, you let it cool for a while, like about a minute or so, and then you do the dab, and then you you get much less harshness and you much more of the flavor because the terps burn off at the ho- super high temperature. But if you put yeah, it, yeah yeah, and I, I tried. We had one of those uh, those electrical nails that had a temperature reading on it. Yeah, and I like that, but. But then, you know, all of a sudden I realized, man, I have like a, like a whole desk full of equipment here just to get high. <laughs> and then, and I realized I just want to, maybe I'll just smoke a joint, you know? <laughs> yeah. You can't go wrong with the good old, good old fashioned. The joint will always be a classic. You can't replace it. So my dad, my dad likes, my dad likes the, the, the vape pens a lot. He, he always carries one around with him and he, he thinks he's funny by vaping in the airport. And I'm like, Dad, you're going to get us put on the no fly list, man. Stop doing that. So are you going to put out a vape pen then, Tommy, or no? Maybe a Tommy Chong oh, vape yeah. pen? Oh, yeah. We're going to have a Tommy Chong everything. <laughs> you should. You should have a Tommy Chong everything. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I wanted to do a Tommy Chong uh, condom. <laughs> With a mirror, 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 you know, with the tip loaded with, with pot, you know, so <laughs> you make the entry easier. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's an innovator. He's a real innovator. Yeah. You know, Tommy, aside from your work as an entertainer, the thing that I admired most about you is that through everything, through prison, cancer, and everything else, you never wavered in your outspoken support for marijuana and its legalization, and you've always been a beacon of positivity and common sense to, to everyone, and uh, I find that really inspiring. So I just want to say thank you for that. We'll be right back with more, so don't go away. 
Introducing 420 Cloud, ignited by MSIG, one of the fastest-growing social apps around. The only app you'll need for all things cannabis. Find the latest cannabis news, videos, and stories, ranging from business and tech to sports and medicine. Start your career in cannabis by seeking, identifying, and applying for jobs through our expansive listings. For businesses, 420cloud.com features a full-scale cross-channel network, monetizing high traffic for big data conversion and analytics. Download 420 Cloud now from the iTunes Store or Google Play. MSIG.com is a publicly listed company on the OTC, symbol MCIG. Introducing Blue Moon CBD, straight from the bluegrass of Kentucky. With our special nano emulsion process, you'll not only get the best CBD available, you'll get more of it. Not all CBD is the same. It's your body. It's your choice. Get relief from inflammation, anxiety, and stress. Go to www.bluemoonhemp.com and use code HEMP420 for a 20% discount on your order. Balance your body. Balance your life. Make it Blue Moon CBD. Running a successful cannabis business isn't easy. Successful businesses need to have strong people to achieve long-term results. At Live Advisors, we believe people are the heart of business, and training people can help you infinitely grow your business. Learn more about our offerings at liveadvisors.com. Is everybody in? <laughs> Is everybody in? The jokes are about to begin. Greetings, Blackalites, and welcome to another edition of Blazin'. I'm your host, the infamous Bobby Black. And the gentleman you just heard doing that amazing Jim Morrison impersonation is my special guest today. Coming to us from Denver, Colorado, the weed capital of America, please welcome to the show the hilarious 420 comic, Jeffrey Peterson. Jeff, how's it going, man? I'm doing great, man. So, Jeff, you've been on the cannabis scene for quite a while now. You're based out of Denver. Tell me a little about what the scene is like in Denver right now for cannabis and for comedy. Well, you know, uh, it's pretty neat what's happened here. Denver has become this, like, hub of uh, cannabis for tourists and and cannabis aficionados around the world. I myself have never had the pleasure of going to Amsterdam, but uh, it's sort of become the, the same mystique that Amsterdam used to have uh, because Colorado really has uh, found a way to be unique and progressive in the way that they approach this. I mean, the coolest thing is there's a cannabis club, a legal cannabis club that I do a comedy show at every month and uh, we used to do that in Los Angeles, and we were always afraid the cops would come in at the comedy store. But now, you know, flash forward to 2016, I have uh, a comedy show at a legal cannabis club, and there's several of them. Uh, and those are in Colorado Springs, but it's it's really progressed to something cool. You're talking about the dopest show on earth, right? Um, you know what? I've, I've had a, a long-running show uh, for 10 years called The Dopest Show on Earth. You have it. Uh, but this particular show is called Can I Get a Laugh? It's become very popular. We've been doing it for a year and a half now. And uh, uh, to his credit, uh, Jamin Johnson, the, the proprietor of the Speakeasy Vape Lounge, created this. And uh, Jamin is just a major innovator. I mean, he uh, he also came up with Chromicon, which is a yearly cannabis-friendly comic book convention that we do. So if there's an idea that can be linked up with cannabis somewhere in Colorado will make it cool. Cool. Yeah. And we're going to get to, we're going to talk a little bit more about the comics uh, a little later on. So it's, uh, it's an interesting kind of double entendre because you're the 420 comic meaning like comedy, but you're also into comic books. So it's a, uh, it's an interesting, uh, I always liked how that word could be applied for both comedy and for comic book culture. It's pretty cool. It's neat because I'm able to infuse my, uh, my comedy into comic books and uh i've always been a gigantic comic book nerd so it's kind of full circle it's great yeah you know you and i have a lot in common i would say we're both uh comic book geeks we both love metal and rock and roll we both love the aviator shades can't go wrong right (laughs) the classic look that's right (laughs) uh and you know the thing is what was kind of neat is uh when i had a magazine going in california called uh 
Calitronic X, where we featured uh, adult film stars uh, using cannabis. I would wear the silver shades with my long hair and my, my beard and stuff, and people were calling me the West Coast Bobby Black. And I was <laughs> like, I was like, I will take that. Cause, cause Bobby rocks. So uh, I thought it was really cool, man. And um, yeah, we do we do share a lot of cool things in common. And um, I think you've been a champion for metal in the respect uh, to cannabis because um, it's kind of gotten put on the back burner next to hip hop. And so you've always been a champion for the black leather. So I think that's really cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I remember when I was at High Times, we would have uh, our weekly events meeting, and every time they would talk about a new cannabis cup they were going to do in in some new state or something, okay, well, who are we going to get for talent? Who are we going to get to perform at the VIP party? And, you know, I had friends that were in metal bands, stoner rock bands, um, some of them pretty big, you know, pretty well known and with good draws. And I would always keep pitching them and pitching them. And for some reason, the management at High Times just absolutely refused. They would never book, uh, never mind even a, like, a, I'm not even talking about like a super heavy band like Slayer or something. I mean, all right, I can understand how that might turn some, you know, people off who don't listen to metal. But I mean, just like a regular hard rock band that, you know, who doesn't like classic rock? Certainly as many people like it as, as hip hop, I would think, or, or maybe more, you know, but I would pitch all these bands and they would always get shot down and I got disheartened. I was just, I just ended up, uh, you know, not even trying anymore. I tried to at least keep the hard rock coverage in the magazine while I was there, you know? Yeah. I think, I think the fans and the readers knew that about you. And the thing is now that high times has made so many drastic changes and, uh, I know some of the people behind the scenes and what's going on now. Your influence somehow got through because I see now they're starting to slowly add some rock and roll. I saw that Ozo Motley is playing uh, in one of their upcoming events, and Ozo Motley are good friends of mine. And and uh, rock is kind of uh, taking a backseat at the cannabis events. I work with a lot of legendary uh, hip-hop artists, like all the time. I Slick Rick and uh, Lil... Flip and uh, Devin, the dude, I'm going to be performing with Afro Man next week. So I work with a lot of those artists, which is cool, but I just think it would be great if we could mix it up a little bit, you know, and, and maybe see, uh, you know, a classic rock band or, uh, or a hard rock band in there. Yeah, you know, I have no disrespect to the hip hop community or anything like that, but it's just, it was never my bag, you know, like growing up, I went right from classic rock into heavy metal as a teenager, and that was who I was. I was a metalhead guy. And when I got older, and after I started working at High Times, I started to appreciate hip hop, you know, especially certain artists, obviously Cypress Hill, um, you know, the, the stuff you'd expect a white boy to like, you know, Eminem and Beastie Boys, that yeah. kind of stuff. But, <laughs> but I've expanded it quite a bit, you know, I mean, I, I love Redman. He's such a cool dude. And just from hanging out with him, it actually makes me like his music more just, you know, cause he's such a nice guy. And, uh, you know, obviously Be Real is a great dude. Uh, Kid Cudi, when he played the Cannabis Cup, I was blown away. I thought he was really good live. So there's definitely some hip-hop out there that I can get into now. And, of course, Snoop, classic Snoop stuff, the old days. But, you know, for the most part, I'm still, I'll always be a rock and metal dude, you know. And I know, actually, you used to be in a metal band, did you not? I did. I was a I was a lead singer for a heavy metal band uh, back when it counted. <laughs> <laughs> from, from, from 1988 to... Uh, Around 1997, I was playing in bands, and um, uh, we were on the Sunset Strip, you know, selling out the Whiskey and the Roxy and the Troubadour, and we were a new wave of British heavy metal bands, so we played the, the Maiden Sabbath Street kind of style, and Ronnie James Dio would come see us, and Gene Simmons, and Axel, so we had a great little run there, and times just changed. Uh, we ran against the clock, and, and the clock ticked uh, to a different time, and everybody went to Seattle. So Seattle changed everything. Yeah. Your band was called Night Riot, right? We were called Night Riot. Yep. We were kind of a, uh, a medieval-themed band, sort of Armored Saint-like, uh, uh, very, you know, very classic heavy metal. And uh, we had a tremendous following worldwide, and uh, um, it was neat. We... We, we had about as much fun as you could have um, for, for uh, as popular as our band got. I mean, we had six record labels ready to sign us in 1992, except they wanted us to start uh, turning our sound into grunge. And we were like, 
We wear leather, man. We we can't see ourselves <laughs> imitating something we know nothing about. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So Stone Temple Pilots did, and they became famous. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I love that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm a big, huge Man of War fan from back in the day. Talk about medieval-themed uh, metal. You know, Man of War, like the kings of metal, you know? Like, it's it's so yeah. cheesy, especially looking back on it now and seeing them, you know, dressed. And I think, God, man, this so, my wife makes fun of me. She's like, you really look at these guys like <laughs> this is what you like? And I'm just like, yeah, you can't explain it to somebody who just doesn't love it. I mean, like, I got turned on to Man of War and stuff like that very young, and it was just the coolest to me. It was just so badass. It's, like, a, it's a white boy thing. I mean, this is <laughs> such a white boy Viking, you know, warrior thing. If you have any of that medieval kind of blood in you, that's what metal speaks to. And I mean, it's great to see that metal is still alive. I mean, in this year, uh, I got to see Sabbath and Maiden. And uh, I'm, I've been good friends with uh, IC and Body Count for over 20 years. And it's great to see people kind of carrying a torch because metal has taken a hit and uh and i don't mean necessarily this new metal there's so many new types of metal bands that i do not relate to and i, I don't want to be uncool and name them but some of this new new style of metal just doesn't speak to me so um i guess in my old age i've kind of become a traditionalist you know yeah i i'm the same way like for me like i loved even Growing up, Slayer, Venom, even that, like that heavy stuff, I loved. But now the heavy stuff is so heavy that like I can't understand anything the singers are saying. It's just what they call Cookie Monster stuff, right. and I just can't get into it. Like I want to, I try, but if I put on an album and by the second or third song, I can't, I can't tell one song apart from another, and I can't understand anything they're saying. And and like you said, maybe that's just me becoming that old man yelling at kids to get off my lawn. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> but uh, it's that's I how I feel. Think, I don't I enjoy it. I guess the best way to put it, it just doesn't speak to me. And same with the kind of new emo metal that is just a little too soft and emotional. So music will always change, but I'm glad that there are some of these bands that like are just still sticking at it. It's pretty neat to see. And uh, what's weird is um, you can never go back. Uh, I recently saw like Jeff Tate uh, do a show out here in Denver, and uh, I was a gigantic Queensryche fan. And the songs just sounded so different. <laughs> you can never go back. Yeah, that's true. But alas, our time has once again come to an end. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in and toking up with us again this week. Be sure to follow me on social media, Facebook and Instagram at BobbyBlack420, Twitter at BobbyBlack. I also have a new YouTube channel. You can find a link to it on my Facebook and Instagram so please click on over and subscribe. And that's going to be about it for this edition of Blazin. Thanks to our sponsors, 420 Science, the most trusted head shop online. You can check out all their cool stuff at 420science.com. And of course, thanks to all you Blackalites for tuning in and toking up with us again this week. Until next time, this is Bobby Black saying, Blaze on and peace off. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.